0: I think it's much easier to build products and build content when you are the audience because it's just you know that person really well versus when you know if we were building content or products for nurses or teachers we really don't understand it so you, it's much harder to be able to riff on things so i think that's kind of step one and step two is a lot of like looking at what has worked for other people you know i think i think a lot of the times people want to reinvent the wheel but you can learn a lot by looking at what's worked. So like, what has worked for Mr. Beast? Does Is there anything we can apply here than what's worked for Mr. Beast? What has worked for Gary Vee? What has worked for Tim Ferriss? And I think a lot of the times, you know, you can remix their ideas in different ways and kind of pull bits and pieces from it.
1: Welcome to Behind the Thread, the podcast where we interview your favorite content creators on Twitter so you can learn more about the person behind the tweets. Unscripted, unfiltered conversations with your favorite entrepreneurs, investors, and influencers. In this episode, we have Ben Levy. Ben is the right-hand man, business partner of Sean Puri, the host of the My First Million podcast, one of the most popular podcasts in the startups and business category. I think one thing I really took from this episode is that Ben is really skilled at building businesses and audiences online. In this episode, we discussed a range of things from Ben's approach to building an audience to how anyone can get a job with their favorite business person right now on the internet. There's also a really interesting part where Ben breaks down what social media platform he would build an audience on today if he was starting from scratch. It was great to get Ben on the pod, really fun episode. I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Let's get straight into it. Ben, welcome to the pod.
0: What's up, man? How's it going? I'm glad you got my last name right? And sometimes it's levy, yeah, uh, but Levy is correct, so I'm glad you got it right.
1: So Ben, just to start off, can you kind of just talk about like what you do day to day, also like what projects you're currently working on?
0: Yeah, you know, what what I do day to day is a hard question. You know, I think every day is different. You know, this isn't really I think in most jobs or most startups that people found, there's really like I, I would say what we do day to day and what I do day to day is really focused on one big North Star thing, which is building a trusted audience. Like everything that we do with Sean is all about how do you build that trusted audience? Cause everything that opens up every door possible, whether that be products, investment opportunities, everything is about building something that people trust you for. So what we've done in the past. Has been a, a lot of that has been focused on building trust within Sean and his name. Uh, so putting out great content, whether that be you know on the MFM pod, which I'm assuming you've listened to, or across his Twitter feed, or his blog or newsletter. And, and now we're just at the early stages of a new project that's a little bit broader than just Sean uh, and his brand, which is called the Milk Road, and that's about building trust within the Web three space. So today, everyone wants to be involved with Web three. I know I did. I'm sure you did. You see it on your Twitter feed at all the time, at all times, but it's really hard to keep up. So the idea is really like, can we build content that people want about Web3 to build that kind of North Star trusted audience? So what I do day to day is really about figuring out, I think part of it is figuring out what content to create, but then also, you know, figuring out what content to create that is designed to go viral to widen the audience. So I would say in the past two years, there's been a few, there's really been two things that went super viral that we learned a lot from. One being Sean's take on the metaverse, which I'm sure you've read. And then also Sean's take in Clubhouse. And there's one thing that I take from both of those things, which is that, you know, it's a take. Like, it's very hard to go viral if you don't have that. So the biggest thing is like, always have a take. Uh, so yeah, that's a long, I don't know, even know if I answered your question, but that's a long-winded answer to kind of like, what I do every day is figure out. How do we build that trusted audience? And then how do we scale that trusted audience?
1: Okay, awesome. No, that's cool. And just as a side note, like I encourage like listeners definitely uh, check out both of those tweet threads because they're pretty awesome, to be honest. Um, Just going deeper on like what you said on building a trusted audience and providing great content, I guess kind of let's start at step one. How do you even figure out what is great content, what people would be interested in? are you just kind of throwing things out into the ether and seeing what hits or what what is that process?
0: I think a lot, there's like two things. So I would say one is like, I am the audience and like the people that I talk to are the audience. So like, first is like, what do I want? So like, typically what we'll do is throw out ideas that either Sean or I, or anyone else within our universe, we also work with this guy named Andre. Like if, you know, if it, like, basically we ask, What do do any of us want to read and see and listen to? And like, that's kind of step one, because we are the audience. So I think it's I think it's much easier to build products and build content when you are the audience, because it's just, you know, that person really well versus when, you know, if we were building content or products for nurses or teachers, we really don't understand it. So it's much harder to be able to riff on things. So I think that's kind of step one. And step two is a lot of like looking at what has worked for other people you know i think i think a lot of the times people want to reinvent the wheel but you can learn a lot by looking at what's worked so like what has worked for mr beast is is there anything we can apply here than what's worked for mr beast what has worked for gary v what has worked for tim ferris and i think a lot of the times you know you can remix their ideas in different ways and kind of pull bits and pieces from it but i think at the core it's like it's really about what do i want to read and i think it's a lot about like what am i reading what are both of us reading and what is you know, what is our team reading and what do we find interesting? And a lot of that comes from Twitter. Like so much of, I think, our inspiration comes from seeing things on Twitter. And it also comes from talking to other people and saying, hey, what do you find interesting today? What are you really curious about? Like, what do you not know the answers about? So I think it's a combination of those three things. And then what really hits, you know, nobody really knows. Like, I don't think we expected either the clubhouse or the metaverse thing to really go. It was just like, hey, this is kind of interesting have a take put it out into the world and see what happens
1: okay cool you know let's 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 dive in a bit deeper on us on the clubhouse tweet thread and then also the metaverse one because i think also just like a side note to the listeners obviously sean sean has power writing course that he does on where he kind of dives into a bit of like how he writes these tweet threads and one of the things one of the angles that he has is almost like the contrarian tweet thread it kind of where the take kind of goes against conventional thinking you obviously spoke about like you guys look and you're consuming and looking at things that work for other creators how do you kind of come up with your unique take and then how do you actually build that out into into content
0: yeah i, mean, I think i think like you know it has to be a take you kind of believe in to some extent and you, you know you don't always have a take on it on everything. I think in that case in particular, like Sean did have a really strong opinion because he had built a company that was very similar to Clubhouse in a lot of ways. Um, And same, like also has thought a lot about what the metaverse means. I think like a lot of the times you just naturally have to have a take, you know, there are creators or people that just always go contrarian, like in the sports world. There's this guy, Skip Bayless, who just basically takes, you know, Stephen A. Smith too, where they just basically take The most contrarian view in the loudest way possible and that's what they want to do but i think you know the way we think about it is more like what are the real what is the actual take you have and then how do you frame it and everything that we do like really starts with what is the take right so like let's say you know you read that i don't know bitcoin went down 20 percent today you know what's your take like before you even write anything or think about a piece of content like, what is your take? And then you kind of work backwards from there. Uh, So either your take is like, oh, this is a bump in the road. Or like, you know, in that case, you might say, you know, we don't like to talk about price. I think price is just very speculative in nature. But I think if you were, you could basically take one of two paths, which is like, you know, this is a bear market and go really aggressively loud there. Or this is like a dip and like, this is going to be rocket fuel. So I think, you know, it's really about having your own take. You, you're not going to get, your, you know, you're not going to get your take really from other creators. I think we look at creators more, less so for what the take should be and more just for interesting formats and interesting ways they deliver it punchy information uh, and ways they're experiment. Like that, that's more of what I think is interesting. And I think that applies to everything in business. Like, right. You can go look at someone's landing page and see they're driving a bunch of ad traffic to to it and learn a lot from like, the fact that that landing page is working but you're not going to like you know you still have your own twist and remix on what and you know and on what on a better landing page to build for your product and what you're doing
1: okay so in a way it's like you're looking at other creators almost for like the tactics or what's working i guess on like a practical level but in terms of like the strategy the style it's really what you and Sean kind of ideate and just who you are as people is that, is that yeah kind of right I
0: and mean, I think the best thing is like you know if you're gonna do this, you know if you're a creator like it's just a never ending you know it's a hamster wheel where like you know you have to always be putting things out so it's like it's just much easier if you're just talking to your friend and you're just sharing what you would say to anyone anyways than it, than it is to have like an alter ego where you have to work really hard to figure out what that alter ego would say at least in my opinion, you know may I'm sure some people do do that where they just like basically pick an angle and they constantly hammer it, you know, but I think in this case, especially when we're going wide, I think it's really important that you just are basically saying, you know, going to have authentic takes and share those. And that's my authentic self rather than like being, I'm going to try, you know, I'm going to work really hard to figure out what the take is. I think there are specific examples where you could pick one specific thing and just hammer it all the time and build your brand around that. Like, let's say you became the guy who was like, I don't know. I'll pick a sport. I mean, a a good sports example might be like you might be the the Kyler Murray Maxi, where you're like, he's the best quarterback in the league. And like you just pick that angle and everything you do is just like hammering the fact that he's the best. I think like if that is the angle, you know, you don't have to work that hard on different takes. It's all one take, really. But if you're going to go wide and you're going to be on a bunch of different things at a bunch of different times, which is what we do today, I think it's just much easier to be your authentic self. Then like try to put up a front and as much, you know, the the real content that wins, like you had said when we were talking before, was like the people that seem like they're talking to you like you're their buddy and you're like just getting a beer rather than the people that like feel really rehearsed. So like that is what we what it actually is, is. It's like if I was getting a beer with a friend, what I would say, not like some rehearsed, planned out, sketched out, take vision, but that, you know, we are still looking at what other people are doing. Because I think you leave a lot of data on the table if you're not looking at what other people are doing uh, and learning from it too. Because, you know, they, there's 100x more experiences out there that you can learn from really easily. And also just love consuming content myself, you know, and so does Sean.
1: You know, it's really, it's really interesting what you're saying about just being authentic. Because a few weeks ago, I listened to the interview that Sean did with Hassan Minaj. And to your point, I think that was a great example of an interview where listening to it as the end user, it kind of felt you were just in the corner of the room and like two buddies were just chatting and you were just almost just listening in. I'm kind of interested, and I think you've alluded to a few of the things. What do you think, you mentioned wanting to build a trusted audience. What do you think kind of goes into doing that that?
0: I think the medium really matters. Like I think, you know, it is considerably harder to scale a podcast or video content than it is to scale like your Twitter audience. But I do think like the intimacy of listening to someone's voice is considerably higher than it is than like reading their tweets. Like, yeah, I think if you put out consistently great Twitter like tweets, you know, you can build it too. But I think, you know, there's levels of intimacy that come with the medium, um, same with video. Like I think, you know, if you watch someone's YouTube videos consistently, you're going to trust them more. I also think a lot of it comes down to selling as in like, you know, if you, you know, a lot, if you try to sell people on your products too early or just in general, you know, you break trust really fast in my opinion. And I think, so I, I think like that, it really comes down to those two components, but I also think it's just like really doing great. Like every, at the core of all this is none of this matters if you're not providing great content and you're not providing something that you think is truly incredible and differentiated from the market, and that can be many different things, right? You could be the world's best shit poster and have a trusted audience because you're just so great at making memes. And there's many, as you saw in the power writing course, like, you know, this isn't really an infomercial for that at all. But I think like there's many different ways to get, but it it is really intentional. And I think a lot of it is like being honest. And also, I think a lot of it is not always being positive about things. Like, I think one of the things like as we're building this crypto, like kind of media platform or a newsletter is like, I think if you're always positive, it's hard to trust someone who's always, you know, I think, you know, you want to have a balanced act of how you feel about different things and share that with the world. Because if every startup is nothing is great, you know, like they're, you know, there are certain things about everything that are good and bad. And I think being able to talk about both of those things makes sense. But I think there, you know, that's in our context, I think in other people's con, like in, in different categories, there's different things, right? Like Mr. Beast, the way he builds trust is, you know, he consistently puts out great content. And he also gives away a lot of very transparently, like, I think that's a great way to do it, too. So I think there's many different ways to get trust. But I think at the core of it, it is about the medium, like in the what people are, you know, how they're interacting with you. And, you know, Twitter is way easier to grow on and way easier to get a huge number of followers. But I think way harder to get people that actually trust you based on what you're tw- You know, and it obviously depends on what you're talking about, but it's certainly like way harder than if someone's, like, in my opinion, if you had 500 people listening to this podcast versus like 10,000 Twitter followers, I think 500 people listening to this podcast is more valuable you know consistent listeners than that than your twitter followers would
1: be okay also okay this is this is interesting and i kind of want to get into i was just thinking of like a potential hypothetical situation for you because you mentioned that like the medium that you build on like really matters i mean i think it's a great point let's go into like an alternate universe let's say that you're not working with Sean, but you know everything that you know, and let's say you just have no followers, like you don't really have like an online brand. What do you think, like what medium do you think that you would start on? And also how would you, how would you go about it?
0: Yeah, you know, I think I, I, think I would start from like, okay, what am I interested? Like, I think there's two things I would start with one, like, what am I interested in where there's a ton of white space and I've found that there's not great content for. So like, let's say you know, I don't know, I'm really interested in NFTs or I'm really interested in like, like I think that's where I would start. Like, what are all the things that I na- am naturally spending my time in today? Whether that be like, hey, I'm a huge Phoenix sports fan. I'm a huge Arizona sports fan. I like NFTs, you know, DeFi, whatever it may be. And I would say, okay, like, do I believe there's an opportunity of a trusted voice in that space? Like, so I think I would start there. Like, what are all my interests? Really kind of centralize it, pick something that's early and growing, which is why I like generally like, you know, Web3 stuff. I think I would go to actually, no, TikTok would be like, I'm not good at TikTok. So for me personally, like I wouldn't go to TikTok, but I think I would challenge myself to get really good at TikTok because TikTok is what is the most interesting thing out there. And basically being able to say, how can I like, how can I do interviews like this and turn them into bite-sized clips on TikTok and get really good at TikTok? Cause that's like, would be the core of the distribution leading to the YouTube channel. So I think like that's where I would go today because TikTok's also, I would basically try to stack what's growing fast, which would be TikTok and web three, you know, which is kind of what we're trying to do and which is what we're gonna try to do with the milk road as well because, you know, we don't have a huge audience in the space yet. So I think I would start there and I would pick a top, like, you know, if I'm you in this case, I would be like, you know, how do I take these clips and distribute them on TikTok or YouTube and scale the podcast? Because podcast growth is really hard from what I've seen. And then I think I would try to figure out how do I go get really, I think if I, I think I would also try to figure out how do I get either big name guests or more likely like interesting guests that have really interesting stories. That I can pull clips from and I, I would look at you know one of the things that I look at a lot I don't know are you a sports fan at all
1: yeah yeah I love sports like
0: like I think one of the, one of the things that they did really well like in the athletic specifically is like their best piece ever it was when they did this like Kawhi Leonard story and they never even talked to Kawhi they just talked to a bunch of people that he played basketball with at, at San Diego State where he went to school to paint a story. And I think there's a lot to learn there, which is like, you know, let's say you wanted to come up with a creative angle to talk about Sean, but you didn't want to interview Sean, go talk to 10 people that, you know, don't have big personal brands and get interesting takes from them on why Sean became big or whatever. And you might get a really interesting story that's going to go more viral and have a different viewpoint, right? And if you ask good questions, like, oh. Like in that case, they unearthed that Kawhi used to really focus on being a good rebounder because he always and he would say things like board man gets paid, you know, like in really funny, interesting ways that like, had you asked Kawhi himself, he probably never would have been able to get that tidbit out of him. So I think like, you know, that's a big pillar of what I would do is like try to figure out how do you ask really interesting questions that no one else is asking so they can be designed to go viral. So I think if you just ask Gary V like. What did he do to be successful? It's like, dude, he said that a hundred times on his podcast or a hundred podcasts that he's been on.
1: You know, you know, what's really interesting. And I think it even goes back to what you were saying earlier about having a strong take. The internet really rewards novelty or doing something new. So even if to your point earlier, I think one of the things that Sean did really well is that a moment where everyone loved Clubhouse, he kind of had a new take on it well, even in the metaverse, everyone's thinking about VR and headsets and all of everything that he kind of had a new take. And then even what you're saying now with the Kawhi angle, it's a, it's a new way to kind of communicate the story and that gets outsized rewards, right? To your point.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of it would be like, you know, you don't, you know, if you're starting from zero, like don't expect, you know, it's like, it takes a lot of shots on goal, you know, it takes, it takes a lot of shots. And I think, You know, it's about getting better about communicating and then like you will hit something if you keep going and you find your interesting angle. Um, you know, versus like just expecting you to go viral with one hit. You know, you don't really but there are things that are designed to go viral. Like there's no doubt in my mind that when you think of ideas, there are ideas where you're like, clearly this has a much better shot of going viral. You know, it's not a guarantee than something else will, right? It's like if you if you said, hey, I'm going to eat, you know, if you just look back, right, it's like if you said like this, there's this movie that's really old called Super Size Me, right? And it's about a guy who ate McDonald's every day for 30 days and only McDonald's, like, that was clearly designed to go viral. It was very possible that it didn't work and nobody would care. But like, it's much more interesting than being like, you know, I'm going to go do a health study on the impact of McDonald's. Like nobody's going to give a shit, but the way he framed that same problem. So I think that applies to a lot of the way you do content, right? And like, like clearly, like, and I think that holds true is like you can pick ideas that have a likelihood to go uh, much higher. They're designed to go viral. It doesn't mean they will. There's no guarantee. But like, if you have 10 of the 100 of those ideas and you execute them all well, you know, it's probably going to work versus like you know doing things where you're not even thinking about well how does this even become viral i mean that if that if that's your goal you know
1: okay cool that's really interesting you know i love this because this is like it's online brand building like 101 like i feel you're given you're given the playbook let's take let's take the hypothetical a bit further so you've decided kind of what you want to write about or what you want to produce content on you've decided that you want to do let's say in your example tiktok how do you actually get good like is it just shots on goal like how do you actually get good Mm -hmm. at producing content i I
0: think it's reps i think like i think there's like two things i think it's like you know talking to people that are better than i am at anything like i think generally always want to do that it's like how do you talk to people that have done what you're trying to do and get their opinions on what you should do it doesn't mean you should take them and like also i think doesn't mean you should talk to 100 people but it means like you know, use this asset that on Twitter, you can go DM anyone and like your response rate is going to be pretty high, like, which I'm sure any which isn't unique to me, like, I personally don't have that many followers. But like, I think like, I would use that. And I think I would just do a bunch of reps, like, you know, in the same way that like, you know, you're doing these podcasts, or, you know, if you want to write a newsletter, like write the newsletter every day, like train yourself to get better, get feedback from people, learn at what like really understand what good looks and understand why what you're doing today isn't good, you know, like and be really open to feedback like I think early on and still now sometimes like i I get frustrated by feedback, or I did, and I think like you know it's really important to be open to feedback and use that as a gift to like make your product better, right like if I'm you, and I'm like, how do I make the best interview show possible like you know. There's many ways to look at and listen to things where you say, well, what, what are the questions that people really like talking about? What are the questions that really go viral on TikTok? What's everyone interested in? And I, it's just reps. You know, it's like today, maybe you're doing this once a week. Okay, maybe that's enough. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. Like You you know, and also, I think like really looking at your game in the same way that athletes do, like go watch your first interview and compare it to what you do now and be like, okay i'm way better at this i'm still not good at this i need to get better at that etc
1: okay that's awesome and i love the sports references because that's that's kind of how i think about a lot of stuff as well like in the in sports sense
0: yeah and Um, i think like if you just take it like that it's like yeah like of course you know chris paul is watching the way he played the warriors last time and trying to learn what he did wrong and what he could do better and what they were giving him you know and like if you watched an interview you might be like well It was pretty clear that when I was interviewing, you know, Ben, he was really interested in this topic and I wasn't like engaging well enough to pick up on that, you know, like had I seen that like his voice changed when I asked this question, you know, I should have gone deeper on that, you know, and I think like you've like in interview style things, you really learn like that you're, you know, this isn't about like prep matters to some extent, but like a lot of it is like being present and being able to pick up on cues in interviews and like, you know, understanding that. And like, I think I would really study. But yeah, I think, I think a lot of it is just reps. Like, I think you're not gonna learn anything by theorizing how you do a good interview show or by theorizing how you make a good TikTok or theorizing like how you write a good newsletter. It's like constantly doing it.
1: You know, You know what's really interesting? And I have this thing I tell myself as well, which is like, you can only really get good at something in the field. You can do a course, you can watch someone's videos, you can read someone's blog. The only way you actually get proficient at something is what you're saying, doing the reps in the field. And I think, to be honest, the people that are really at the top of their game, the reason you can tell is because they put in a ton of reps. Like if you watch, I don't know if you're into like a big basketball fan, but like if you watch like LeBron or you watch KD you can tell they are putting up shots like just the way their game is so polished you can tell all of that is just hours and hours in the gym right like getting it yeah up.
0: and i think i think like one one uh thing that you know one way that sean and i think about it is like you know andrew Wiggins, you know another basketball reference you know which you'd have to be a pretty big basketball fan to understand this one but it's like you know there's Andrew Wiggins and there's Steph Curry, like arguably the same amount of talent and the same, the same amount of raw talent. But one of them is clearly like made more of his talent, which could be for many reasons, whether that be system designed for them. But most likely it's like, you know, the work they're putting in behind the scenes and the self-talk they have. So I think that's really important to think through and like make sure you have it. But yeah, it's a lot of it is about the reps and like, really making it your thing like i bet if you went back and you listened to tim ferris's first podcast versus the way he interviews now you know which might go viral if you went back and did that if you're like i'm gonna go look at what tim ferris did versus now i bet you'd notice he's like considerably better now at interviewing people than he is then
1: okay nice okay you know what? let's go let's go deeper on that point because obviously you work pretty closely with sean on the my first million podcast. You guys are one of the top like business podcasts and you're, you're growing. What is it from your perspective that makes Sean and Sam, what makes them so effective?
0: Yeah, I, mean, I think it's just like, you know, filling the need of what people want, which is like, you know, in some ways it's like entrepreneur porn with two smart people but I think it's just natural and authentic and it isn't like every other show. And I just think they're both really talented. Like, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to like, they have really interesting takes and they're really talented. And like, it's a white space where people clearly want some content like that, but it's natural and authentic. And I think I I, like, you know, I don't think there's like some magic formula. I think it's just like, it's natural. There's opportunity, there's white space and it's things that they're talking about anyways. Like, I think what it com- what it is more than anything is it's like, what, what conversations do you get energy from? And is there a way to turn that into a podcast, right? It's like, oh, the people that I get the most energy from are like entrepreneurs who are talking about what they're building and like are very ambitious. Where do I go for that today? Yeah, I can go to some interviews that are hit or miss or like, you know, one out of 10 Tim Ferriss podcasts will be great for that. But nine out of 10 are not that. You know, how I built this is like kind of cool, but it's only good things. You know, it's like how I built this, in my opinion, is great. But every story is about someone winning and there's never, you know, and it's like, well, that could happen. But like that's a very small percentage of entrepreneurship and doing things. So I think it's like, you know, taking the conversations you're having with your friends and turning them into a podcast.
1: Okay, cool. I kind of I want to pick up on two points. One, you mentioned earlier about the importance of getting feedback, and then also also just the fact that not all the time is something positive or someone's taking a W, like people take Ls. I'm kind of interested for you personally, what's one time that you've got a really tough piece of feedback or in your own mind, you've taken an L and yeah, can you, can you kind of explain that and then also what you learn and, and how you bounce back?
0: I think the biggest one that comes to mind is you know, shutting down my, like shutting, like before I started working with Sean, I ran a company and it got shut down because of COVID primarily. So I think like, you know, we were a successful bootstrap business. We had scaled the company to like, you know, low seven figures profitably. I think, you know, we shut it down and like, that was a big L. I think that was really hard. But I, I mean, I think specifically from a feedback perspective, I think, every piece of feedback has historically been hard because I really pride myself on being great. And I've always viewed feedback as like a criticism of me and put me into an immediate defensive mode rather than like, oh, that's really interesting. How do I learn from that? So I don't That's not very specific. But like, broadly speaking, I think, you know, the best way to treat it is to say, well, you know, there's like two things that I like to do. It's like, okay, what of that, what of that feedback do I believe to, to be true? You know, cause I think you can disagree with feedback if you're open to it and still like, and say, okay, like, why does that person think that I disagree with that? So like, what do I believe? And then two, like, you know, how do I, how do I improve upon it and how do I fix it? Cause I think ultimately like the only way you get better is feed, you know, it doesn't have to be direct feedback on you personally. It could be feedback on your product, which really hits, right? Like, for example, with the Milk Road, right? It's a good example. We launched this newsletter 10 days ago. We got, you know, a few thousand subscribers and a bunch of people wrote back saying, you know, what I really hope this is, is that you like, you know, we we reported on some news yesterday, which was like, um, I don't know, what was it? It was like the guy that founded Binance is now like the 11th richest man in the world. And uh, someone wrote back, like, I don't care about news. I would just want to know like what bets you're making and why. And like, what should I go ape into? And like, you know, in my opinion, like that could be conceived, you know, that could be perceived as an L. But then like, really, when you think about it, it's like, okay, you know, what we should learn from that is that we haven't really defined, we haven't told the audience very clearly what the goal of this is and who this is for. And like, maybe that person isn't the right user for us because we don't believe that we can, you know, if we, if we knew what to buy, why would we, you know, there's no reason, there's no like fucking reason why we would be putting out a free newsletter. If we knew what to buy, we would just go find a way to you know, get a bunch of money and go put it into that thing, right? Like there's no reason why we'd be making a news, like, and I believe that to be true for a lot of things. So I think like, you know, in that case, it was like, what do you learn from that feedback? It's like, okay, we haven't clearly defined, the, we haven't made a good, we haven't defined the value prop clear enough where people are expecting us to drop alpha, you know, and we don't have alpha today, like I said, but like, I think like, that's like, you know, it's like, that's a good opportunity to refine your value prop and not get upset
1: with that feedback, you know? Okay, cool. No, that's, that's, that's interesting. Kind of, obviously you and, you and Sean have had like a number of initiatives. I think we spoke a few of them, obviously the power writing course, what you're doing with Milk Road, the all access pass, all towards building like a trusted audience. Why, why do you? I guess I'm wondering, like, what's the value of building a trusted audience in the first place? Like, what are the, what do you, what is the reason why you guys are doing what you are?
0: Yeah, I think the number one reason would be it's fun. Like, I think, I think the number one reason is like, there's nothing more fun than talking about and researching and looking and learning things, at least for me personally, like there's nothing more fun than that. Uh, You know and having a reason to do it but i think there's also like you know it opens up so many interesting things that you could never do before right it's like the serendipity of like oh you could reach out to anyone and they want to talk to you or they're happy to tell you about something is really interesting and cool and i think the other piece is like you know there's many ways to make money uh doing this you know this isn't really about the money it's just about fun but there are ways to monetize right it's like when someone trusts you They're willing to buy buy things from you you know they have to be the right things they have to make sense and they have to be things you truly believe in but you know whether that be like an investment fund a startup investment fund whether that be like you know a course like you talked about whether that be like something we create down the line but i think if you think about who and what you buy a lot of it is like you know it all of it is based on trusting someone or something along the line so i think that but the main core reason is fun is it's like what would be the most fun thing possible and if you're having fun and doing good work like it's going to result in a lot of money hopefully
1: okay that's that's interesting okay one one thing i actually wanted to ask you about because i've been i've been following the milk road i know this week i think sean had covid right so that you were you were predominantly writing the newsletter every day You obviously mentioned like the primary reason it's great to build a trusted audience. It's just fun, right? I'm interested, like when you're doing something every day, even if you initially find it fun, it starts to turn into a bit more of a grind, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely true of content more than anything uh, or anything. But I think like, yeah, they, at least in this front, right, it's like you're writing about new things. And I think, you know, as you scale, you can always outsource things if you want. Like, don't think we should do that now. But I think, you know, there's always the ability to outsource things. And I think, like, as you start earning money and hitting true scale on things, you know, you're always able to outsource the things that suck. But like at its core for this specific idea of the milk road, like have to truly find enjoyment and learning and understanding and reading about these things and using the products and believe it's like a shift for it to make sense, you know, like, otherwise, like, we'll get sick of it at some point. But yeah, I think like everything, I mean, mostly everything is a grind in some perspective, but I think it also depends on your perspective on the grind, right? Like you could say, Oh, yeah, this is a lot of work, but it's really fun and really exciting. And like, I'm very fortunate that I get to do this every day. Or you could say, Oh, this sucks. Like I've got to write a newsletter. It's really hard. And like, but I I think like, it's more of trying to be in the first mindset as much as possible or being in there, which like, this is great. Like I get to like, I get to go like, you know, I was doing this anyways in my free time. Now I get to go like, like understand these 10 things that I really want to understand because this is a game changing technology. Um, And like I said, it all comes back to fun, right? Like, you know, every anything could be viewed as a grind if that's how you want to think about it. But if you want to think about it as fun and exciting and interesting, you know, that's just what you do. You know, you don't think of it as a grind.
1: That's interesting. Like, it's like the perspective is so important and like the mindset and how you frame things in your own mind is kind of important to just staying consistent.
0: Yeah. And I think there are certainly things you can outsource, right? Like, yeah, I don't want to be like, running in the books or whatever it might be and like there's certainly ways to outsource those things but today the core competency of this of this idea would be content so it's like gotta love that
1: piece you know what's so interesting because i used to have like a mindset where i wouldn't want to outsource anything i would just be cheap or i just wouldn't want to do it like i'd want to do everything myself even if you think about successful people and like celebrities if you take lebron for instance. I'm pretty sure that like most things in his life are outsourced. He has a chef, he has a trainer, he probably has a ton of assistants. He, it's, it's just interesting what you say. I think what I've realized is a lot of successful people, they're, they're prepared to outsource. They're prepared to have someone that helps them in like every facet of their life so that they can do what they truly do well. Like obviously for LeBron, it's on the basketball court. Uh, yeah,
0: I, I think that's true most of the time. You know, it's like, what, do I, what am I really good at? And what is the most fun thing and like how do I make sure that's where I spend most of my time you know not all of my time but most of it right like and that's what they you know yeah not everyone nor I can't personally like afford you know especially when you're early building a company or an idea like you know you can't afford to outsource everything uh which is fine which is cool you know that's the name of the game but yeah I think like there's definitely something to be learned there right it's like it's like you know time is the most valuable thing and like If you're world class at making content, like how do you just get out of the way of everything else? And I think like with Sean broadly, like, you know, that's something really want to, you know, he's world class at many things, but content is definitely up there. And it's like, how do you just unlock him and say, Hey, you know, let's get everything else out of the way so you can just do what you do best, which is like, write really incredible stuff or like make great podcasts or make great videos. You know and like not worry about all these other 25 things It's so basically like uh, if you only had two hours a day what would you do
1: and i think to be honest that's something Gary Vee talks about a lot which is he only wants to focus on his strength and he, i think he even says there's a bunch of there's a bunch of stuff he can't do like he doesn't want to be doing that he just wants to focus on his strength and really double down there um, yeah
0: exactly and i think you know like when you're young or you're early in a company you can't always do that but there's definitely it's not as expensive as you think, you know, to hire VAs and it's not as, you know, and it's also like, just don't do it. Right. Like one thing that we always talk about is like, how do you just do the most important thing on a daily basis? And like, you know, some things you do have to do, like no doubt. Right. It's like, we've had this issue with the site that I, with the Milk Road site around hosting for the past few days where like, I can't get the domain to render correctly on some browsers. And like, You know, I probably spent like 20 hours on and it's like the most frustrating thing ever. And like, I couldn't outsource that. So like, sometimes you can't outsource things, but you know, in an ideal world, you know, you'd figure it out or you just wouldn't do them. Right. You would deprioritize those things that like take your energy instead of give
1: you energy. Okay. That's really interesting. I think one thing that I find really interesting about you is that, and even just hearing stories from the podcast is that you're really good at being like early to things and figuring stuff out i think sean spoke about it with some of the crypto stuff like the friends with benefits club that you found and stuff you joined pretty early like how do you find these opportunities maybe the friends with benefits is a good example how did you even find that and then what makes you like double down early kind of dive into that process i I
0: think i think there's equally you know i think i've done well being early but there's equally as many things that i've written on my to-do list that i didn't do that i wish i did but a lot of it is like you know one curate like a lot of it comes from twitter or most of it comes from twitter which is like you know curating a twitter feed that of interesting people which is i think is like the most valuable thing i've done like arguably the most valuable thing i've done over the past three years like my Twitter feed used to be all about fantasy football, which was like really dumb in hindsight. But now it's like all interesting tech people. And I just find a bunch of interesting things that way. So I think one, it's curating what you read and see. And then two, it's like, when you see something, write it down and like actually get curious rather than be like, eh, seems dumb. Like, I don't understand it. Like, you know, what does that mean? And then three, like actually... Try to you know look at it and try to form your own opinion um, you know, look at it and try to form your opinion and I think there's a there's an art to like how much time you spend doing this because obviously if you wrote down everything you saw on Twitter and acted on it, you'd have no time left because there's too many things like specific so like that's what I try to do and like I try to use a filter, but like sometimes i there's still a long list of things that I wish I would have done today wish I'd do that I haven't yet um so, I think it's that, and then I, I think, like with f w b specifically, I think I had just seen it on someone's bio. I, the guy who founded little michaela um this company called Br- this company was called brud, uh, and he was like, you know he had a link to it in his bio, and I had just like heard him talk on Clubhouse at the time. I was like, "Oh, that looks interesting. What is it? Don't get it?" I clicked in and i you know I was like, oh, that's cool uh, so I, was, I was relatively early, not like incredibly early but relatively early to most people early. Um, So it's just like behaviors like that. It's being really curious and actually trying to, wanting to try things really early and see what they are um, and see what's interesting about them. And I think a lot of people, like being an early adopter is a lot of work, honestly, because you just have to sign yourself up to try a bunch of things that aren't ever really as good as you think they should be. But it makes you think differently. It makes you look at things. Like I I try to do that as much as possible.
1: Okay, awesome. Okay, one of the things, uh, that you spoke about being really important is like curating your feed. How did you switch your feed from being like all fantasy, all sports to stuff that could actually genuinely like help you and benefit? Yeah, you? I, mean,
0: I think I made it. I think I cleaned my entire follower, every account I was following. I think I cut it from whatever like let's say I was following a thousand accounts. I think I cut it to five accounts or something. So like I literally went through default at everyone. And then I basically just looked at who do I think is really smart in like, who do I want to think more like, or at least be exposed to the way that they're thinking and go see who they're following. And like kind of pick and choose who I'm also interested or think could be interested. And so like, let's say you're like, Oh, I really think the way Keith Reboy thinks is interesting and different than how I think today, I would go look at the 10,000 people he follows and like pick a thousand people that I want to follow. I'd be like, oh, I'm really interested in crypto, but I don't know anything today. Let me go like follow everyone that this, you know, that Balaji follows about crypto. Balaji follows about crypto. And I just did that until I like hit my met. I follow 5,000 accounts, which is like the most you can follow unless you have 5,000 followers. I wish I could follow more. So I just did that, you know, very practically. I think I picked three or four accounts and did it. And it was the most valuable thing I've ever done. And like, you know, I recommend everyone does that. It's really easy. You know, like that is legitimately what I did. I just said, who does, you know, who does biology follow? Let me go follow who he does, you know? And like, as you start to see people's feeds, you can obviously be like, eh, I don't think that person, like, I don't, you know, I don't like that tweet or it's not interesting. You can obviously delete people, but that's what I did.
1: Okay. That's interesting. So you find so let's say I find the three to four people that I'm going to go through their followers and see, not their followers, their following and see who they're following. Like when you're trying to select those accounts that you're then going to follow, what makes you decide, right? Because I'm assuming there's there's only 5,000 people that you can follow in general. Like how are you deciding? I mean, it's this a
0: pretty, pretty quick trigger thing, right? It's like, oh, like if someone's like a politics person, like don't really want to follow them. It's mostly like, what does their bio say? You know, like when you're scrolling through, like if you were just, I'm looking at it now, like if you're going to scroll through, like everyone that Sean follows, you know, you can quickly see their bios when you're looking at that. And I'm like, just immediate gut reaction. Is that interesting or not? Which is why I think like bios are pretty important, right? It's like, oh, uh, you know, is someone that's in direct to consumer interest, like D C marketing. Is, is that interesting to me? Is someone that's like an engineer? Interesting to me, maybe, you know, like all these things. So yeah, I, w- I would say uh, just quick gut thing, you know, it's not, it wasn't some like formula. It was like, something I did in a day. It was like, I'm going to delete everyone. Then I'm going to go in and spend the next six hours, like adding people and seeing what happens and like the magic of being exposed to different things. Like, I, I think that like dramatically changed every, the way I think and dramatically changed my life in a lot of ways.
1: In what sense? Like, just the I mean, ideas. Every,
0: every, every sense. I mean, like, you know, it's like, what are you reading today on your Twitter feed? I mean, maybe most people aren't like what I was, as in, like, just listening, just reading about, you know, why you should draft Austin Eckler and shit like that. Um, but, like, you know, to go from that to, like, reading people's takes on why certain startups are interesting or, like, the impact of X technology or threads about the new projects they're working on just, like, dramatically changes the way you think about it and, like, lets you meet interesting people because you can DM them and you've never would have seen them before. I think there's just like, you know, you get, you get opportunities. Like, you know, I would say last year alone, like like you just have opportunities to do things that you wouldn't have thought about before, right? It's like, oh, maybe you're going to angel invest in a startup that you saw on your feed. Or maybe you're going to be the first user of a product that becomes a billion dollar company. Or maybe you're going to see that like someone who's interested in NFTs that's like well-known in the tech community, jobs, then NFT, and you're going to see it because you follow them and you wouldn't have seen it before. Just things like that.
1: Okay, awesome. Okay, so I have one final question before uh, we finish off. Obviously, you work really closely with Sean. And I think there was one tweet that Sean put out where basically what he said, and I can actually, let me just read it, which is, what's the right job title for your most trusted right-hand man? He drives growth for my business, podcast, fund, etc." I call him Ben Levy, but what would be a more official title? Feels silly to say GM of Hold co, co. but also feels silly to say I work with Sean. Can you kind of just, obviously from that tweet, like you're really important to what Sean does. And I think there's a lot of people out there that would, they would love to be the right-hand man and work next to their business idol or someone that they thought really successful in a certain field. Can you kind of just explain from your perspective how someone could even get that opportunity number one and then two once they're there actually provide value
0: yeah i I think it's i think it's a lot easier to get opportunities than people think generally like i think like there's one guy specifically that i think is done. there's two people but like one guy early on is this guy named amon who was in this all access pass thing and what he did is he like just built the landing page for Sean's site. Like he was like, I'm just going to build you a landing page that like takes your best blog posts and your best tweets. It's still the landing page that lives today. Um, He did the same thing for Chamath. He built like a, a site for Chamath to run for California governor. And he like sent it to Chamath and ended up getting on a few calls with him. Like I think in general, it's like doing, like don't just say what you can do. It's like do something, right? It's like, okay and DM it to the person, right? Like, obviously, there's some like, if you wanted to go work for LeBron, obviously, it's a much different thing. But most people are not LeBron, like very few people are LeBron, right? Like, if you it's the same thing, if you wanted to go work at a startup like Otis, you're like, Hey, I have this really good idea for a product. And you built a landing page, or you built a deck explaining it, and you really like spent some serious time, like the CEO is probably going to take that meeting because he sees how excited you are about what they're doing, and you've actually thought about it. So I think it's way easier to do a lot of this stuff than people think, if you actually are willing to do the work up front and do it for free to show that you can do something. Um, you know, and that, I would say like, that's kind of step one. And the way you provide value when you get in is like, solve people's problems, you know, like come up with ideas, bring energy, solve people's problems. You know, I think with Sean specifically, a lot, a lot of the times, like, you know, most of these people don't necessarily, it's not a, you know, it's not necessarily like you're getting a job in the sense that like, there's a clear role and a clear thing to do next. So I think you have to be the type of person that's okay with ambiguity and like being able to figure out how to add value, like consistently, but there's always ways to add value, right? Like, Nobody's giving you a task list really at any at anything you do. It's just like when you're going to go work in startups, you have to figure out ways to add value. But I think the front part is way easier than people think. I think the second part is a lot harder than people think. Like, how do you actually bring value um, to someone? But I think, you know, if you bring good energy, if you're present and you like try to solve problems consistently, you know, there's opportunity everywhere like i i would bet that almost anyone that you're like i really look up to this person i want to go work with them assume as long as it's not lebron or someone that already has like a you know like i i don't know who is who is that for you like outside of otis who would that be for you
1: what someone that i would really want to work with yeah sure there's so many people i think chamar definitely would be one uh, even Jason Calacanis as well, I think would definitely be one. Gary Vee, like, I've loved Gary Vee for a number of years. And then also athletes as well. I'm a huge Lamar Jackson fan.
0: Yeah, and I know? think so I think like, you know, if you were to say, okay, what what's some really cool idea? Like if you're like, all right, Lamar Jackson, I'm going to make like a proposal for an NFT project and how he should do it. And I'm going to go find a way to get connected to him. Like it'd probably work, you know, like, you know, again, like people of that stature are slightly harder because they have like 10 barriers to get to. Like guys like Chamath way easier, you know, he doesn't have like a team of 10 agents.
1: And I think, I think one important, one really important thing to your point, and this is actually how I got the job at Otis, which is like, I came to one of their events and I came with like seven ideas of like things that they could do now, which would actively improve their business. And I just presented it to the CEO there. Like I found him and I just went up to him and presented it. And I think to your point, and it's something that they say a lot in like the VC, like the venture capital world, is that you almost need to be doing the job before you actually get the job. Like you need to show value up front. Yeah, um, it's
0: like, it's like uh, that guy, Turner Novak, who's like a famous shit poster in the tech Twitter world or whatever. I think what he did is he made like a fantasy VC portfolio where he basically said, here's the companies, like as the companies were raising money and it was announced, like, you know, I would bet on this company at whatever $10 million seed round, uh, and like publicly tweeted about it. So like, you know, he had a public track record that he was good at investing, right? Like, or like a good early stage investor. And I think that's the way to think about these things. I think the people that just like go to Indeed and apply for shit, like, you know, that's just not how I do things or how I think about the way you should do things, you know, but I, you know, I just think opportunity abounds and like, you know, sometimes people will hit me up and I'm like, yeah, sure. Like if you want to do something and show me, you know, how to do it, like, yeah. Happy to figure out if there's a way to get you involved. That makes sense. But like just sending me your resume, like, I don't know what, what I'm supposed to do with that. Like, yeah, cool. Like, yeah, you went, yeah, like, cool. Like you went to gold, you worked at Goldman Sachs. Like, okay, sure. You know what I mean?
1: And I think, I think to your point, like, really the key point is that you need to stand out and when you provide value up front it really just separates you from the rest of the field yeah like, yeah
0: definitely I mean I th- I think that you know nobody does that like very very few people do it and like even if you don't get the job or the thing you want it's like eh, I still learned something there and like you know at least the person respects me for doing the thing and like you know, most of the time they're at least going to respond if you go above and beyond you know so like you know, that that's the way I think about it is like, does it, you know, like there's very little downside other than the fact that maybe you spent some time on it, but that's okay. You know, it was a learning experience and like, you know, that there, there's a cost, which is time to do those things well.
1: And I think, I think one of the beautiful things about the internet is that everything is also documented. So like, yeah, maybe you designed the website for Chamath and he didn't hire you, but you can still put that like on your Twitter or on your LinkedIn or something, and then someone else can find you. And I think it's really interesting because I remember Gary Vee, one of the things he said a few years ago, which is like, if someone can't search your name on Google and a bunch of search results come up, which kind of explain what you do um, and give them an insight into some of the value you provide, then you're basically going to be invisible in this like next version of the job market so yeah
0: yeah i totally agree with that but yeah man this has been fun yeah i mean happy to uh hopefully the audience likes it and happy to come back some other time
1: yeah yeah yeah. we should we should definitely do another one